0: Hi, friends. Today I decided to do another solo episode and also let you know that this is the last episode of season one of The Next Brave Thing. And I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been listening and um, to those of you who have reached out. I am so encouraged by your feedback. Um, And this has definitely exceeded my expectations on what this podcast would be. Um, Just been. Really um, touched by everyone's kind words and letting me know how much it's impacted them and helping them, and yeah, I feel so stoked about that. Um, and I love that you're—I love hearing your brave stories. That's that's super fun for me. Um, so I decided to close out the season on episode 12 because I am actually traveling for the next two months. I'm going to be in LA, New York and then flying back to Australia um, for my sister's wedding, which is very exciting. And then I'll be back in the States. And so um, I will be releasing season two, hopefully in April, Um, and we will be, yeah, I'm really excited about the guests that are coming on and we're gonna dive deeper into this topic of bravery and emotional health and how to come alive in your life. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited about the content that's going to come out. And so if you have any suggestions, feel free to DM me on the Next Brave Thing podcast Instagram and let me know what topics you want me to dive deeper into. One topic I'm actually excited to unpack with you guys is the topic of judgment, Um, because we all hate being judged. So that's going to be a fun one to unpack. Um, I love wrestling around with that topic. So that's something to look forward to. But today I wanted to talk about, um, a couple of things that I think is really like on the mental health journey on the emotional health journey, what's super important. And that is self-awareness. And I think most people think that they're self-aware, but I often think, um, I often find people are confused about what self-awareness actually is. And, you know, there's a lot of research around it. Um, and yeah, it hasn't fully, I mean, there's a lot of definitions about it, but um I definitely think that there are two kinds of self-awareness and that is internal self-awareness. So you're aware of like your emotions, your feelings about things, um, your triggers, your uh, yeah, just like what's happening in you. You have a very good awareness around what's happening in you emotionally. And then there's external awareness, which is more focused on um, how other people receive you. So often we think we're self aware because we perform to kind of fit into social settings. And so we think that that self awareness of like, oh, I made sure I wasn't super loud in that meeting and because that's not appropriate. Um, so self awareness is a little deeper and I want to unpack that today. I also want to talk about the ego and I want to talk about this ideal self that we sometimes have on a pedestal and who we're trying and striving to be. Um, and yeah, hopefully you'll walk away with some ideas of uh, getting to know yourself better. Um, yeah, because what I find, if someone is like really sabotaging or chaotic, um, and I think, you know, we can often hear people say that person lacks self-control, Um, But it's really hard to control yourself or manage yourself when you don't know yourself. And um, yeah, so I teach a class on this. I'm forever learning about myself and others. It definitely makes me have a gentler approach to how I see people because there are certain things that we are just not aware of as humans. Like we have things buried in our subconscious, whether we've blocked out painful things Um, And so we're not really sure about why we do what we do. Um, And I want to talk about the difference between healthy introspection, unhealthy introspection. Because I find when when I start teaching this emotional health class, people start, they become enlightened at a greater level and then they can get quite depressed because they think, they're moving through the earth totally fine and it's everyone else's fault while there's problems in the world. And then they realize, whoa, I'm making this happen to me. I'm not that powerless. And so I definitely get a bit of a slump um, (laughs) in the beginning of my class where I can feel the energy in the room dip and I can feel that people are like in themselves, like then they're just like spiraling. And in some ways, like, that's just part of it. Um, But it's also, I think if you're constantly, and some people call it navel gazing, constantly looking about where you're failing and where you're not enough and all of that, I think that that can actually lead to a lot of destruction so I encourage you, as you listen to this episode, to a follow along from like an assessing perspective, an observing perspective of yourself, rather than um, assigning value to maybe some blind spots. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person because really my motivation was to control so that I would feel safe. Um Yeah, so take the posture of being an observer of your life and hopefully a kind one because, yeah, we've all gone through painful things and we're not really equipped to understand ourselves in the painful things that we go through. So um, there's a Harvard article that talks about self aware awareness and it says, self-awareness seems to have become the latest management buzzword and for good reason. Research suggests that when we see ourselves clearly, we are more confident and more creative. We make sounder decisions, build stronger relationships and communicate more effectively. We're less likely to lie, cheat and steal. We are better workers who get more promotions and we're more effective leaders with more satisfied employees and more profitable companies. So I think that probably all of us in our life have experienced a leader that was not self-aware and was very driven by their ego. Um I have I'm also a leader, so I know the safest road to take is humility. <laughs> um because yeah, I see how painful it can be where a leader is so blind to their subconscious motivations. And um, that's why it's, I think, yeah, the ego is super important to be aware of because it's very focused on self and protecting self, And um, it can be, and we know our ego is at the forefront when we're extra uh, defensive. We can be, um, I know I can get pretty arrogant when my ego is at the front. I like to patronize, um, belittle, um, put people in their place, because I'm trying to protect some sort of image Uh, of myself. And so if we're leading our life, I don't think the ego is bad, by the way, some people think it's bad, but it's just very human to have an ego. (laughs) Um, So if we're, but if we're leading our lives from that position, and that posture of protecting our ego, everything is going to be based on what is going to make my image look good. And that's an exhausting Hustling place to exist. Um, And that's why I think it's powerful to recognize when you're operating in ego so that you can just kind of settle back, get aware, and find humility like a posture of humility, which is more on the I'm not perfect and I'm aware of my humanity and I'm aware of other people's humanity and I'm aware of my triggers. And I'm not perfect, whereas I think the ego has this bent to be perfect. And um, that's when we have uh, leadership where there's kind of a feeling of hierarchy, a feeling of, which I think that there's healthy hierarchy, but I think that um, sometimes when we put leadership on pedestal, that can be the cruelest thing that you can do because um, every single person is human and it's like we can look at people on social media and see their perfect life, but um, no one is perfect because, yeah, I life coach very high level leaders and they're very human. So, and it's very hard because, Even when you're as a leader, I have a lot of compassion because people put you on pedestals and then feel very defeated and disappointed when you disappoint them. And that's really hard to carry that as a leader. And I get that. So, um, yeah. So what is internal and external self-awareness? Well, um, when it comes to internal and external self-awareness, it's tempting to value one over the other but leaders must actively work on both seeing themselves clearly and getting feedback to understand how others see them. The highly self-aware people um, are continually, actively focusing on balancing that scale. So I think we don't want to overemphasize trying to figure out how people are experiencing us. Because we can lose ourselves in that, we can get so caught up in in getting concerned with how other people experience us that we actually lose who we are. Because we're trying to be a million things to a different people, and I've done that life and is exhausting. And but then we don't want to become over identified with just our own experience of ourselves because I think that's when we get a bit narcissistic. We can have, yeah, we can become too self-indulgent. So I think finding a balance of like, how do other people experience me, but also like, how do I build um, a sense of security in myself that I can actually move through the earth, like um, valuing my own self so that I'm not losing myself to perform for other people. Um, An example of this, and this is where I'm a big fan of feedback. (laughs) I think because I'm a leader at a school, I've had tons of feedback. So I'm very, very aware of my humanity. I'm very aware of my weaknesses. And I think I went through burnout at some point because I was just constantly hit up with my weakness. And so I've had to like almost like, Deconstruct and reconstruct my identity in some ways because um, I went through a phase of wanting to be things to all people and wanting to um, make everyone feel seen, everyone feel safe, everyone feel championed, everyone feel included, everyone feel supported. Um, Let me meet all of your needs. And um, yeah, the people closest to me like were neglected. So and then because I was so stretched thin, I didn't have deep capacity for my inner circle or my family because I'm spread so thin. And I felt resentment, I didn't feel uh, understood, I didn't feel known. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to win everybody over and that is exhausting. And I think I would have known in my head that that's not good, but my heart hadn't caught up to that. And I was just like living out patterns of, I don't want to reject you because then really I don't want to reject myself. I don't, I mean, I don't want to, you to reject me. Um, so, um, which is the greatest form of self-rejection. I'm really living for other people. I'm not really connected to myself so, um, my self aware moment was like one of my close inner circle friends was like, Allah, I always feel scheduled into your life. And like, yeah, like I'm always like waiting to be scheduled into Allah's life. <laughs> and um, that was kind of hard to hear, but also I didn't know how to put in boundaries. And, um, because I had just like a, you know, I hear people's pain of like when they feel rejected and I'm like, I just don't want you to feel rejected by me. (laughs) And then, um, but yeah, that wasn't kind. I mean, so the more I learned to have boundaries with people, the probably the kind more kinder I became and, um, I actually had more capacity to be available to the people who have like really walked closely with me through my eight years of living in the States. Um, but yeah, I would like be so tapped out by people because I'm around people all the time, which I actually really love, but I'm like, something is off balance within me to make me do that. And, um, You know, so that's, I think, been a journey. It's not like all of a sudden I had this enlightening moment of like, wow, I don't have good boundaries. It was like a painful somewhat process of like putting in boundaries. So that was a moment of getting feedback of how someone's experiencing me, who's actually close to me, who's earned trust with me, who actually has history with me. And so getting feedback like that is um, healthy because it just gives me a good assessment of like, wow, this is how I'm affecting people. But also not going into some sort of shame spiral about I'm the worst person ever. Like that's not helpful. That's not productive. Um, So that kind of gives me a clear assessment on who I am and who I'm not. And I think as I've become clearer about who I am and who I'm not, I uh, have built such a deeper security in myself. Um, whereas, like when we're unclear of those things, that's where we go into insecurity. So, another example of um, getting feedback is, yeah, like getting awareness. Like as I've grown as a teacher. And I teach uh, for a university. I'm an instructor, and, and like that's vulnerable in itself because I don't have a background of teacher training, so I had to grow in the gift of teaching. And so our students give us course evaluations at the end of each semester, and it's so helpful, but so vulnerable because you're hearing like, Oh, this is where I can improve. Awesome. Um, and so, but what was good is I kind of learned that, Oh, when I teach, I sometimes will go on bunny trails and not finish and complete a thought. So if you've experienced me doing that on this podcast, it's something that I'm working on. <laughs> um, but I don't go, oh my gosh, I should never teach again just because I got that feedback. Because feedback is a part of growing. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's, and the reason why I'm talking about this, and this is my brain going on a tangent, the reason I'm talking about self-awareness and getting feedback is because it's part of being brave. It is, and so if I was leading with my ego as a instructor or leading with my ego as a life consultant, then I would probably crash and burn. I would have crashed and burned a long time ago. Um, So because it's very like sensitive. And I remember like, because I used to be real tough, like yeah, pretty tough person. Um, But then I started risking a lot and then being kind of part of a pioneering a university that just made me really connect to my humanity and my weakness as a person. And I remember saying to my mom because someone was like giving me feedback and it was like low stakes. It was like very small. And I, um, I don't know, I was just like emotional about it. I'm like, it's not even a big deal. Like, why am I so hurt? Why am I so sensitive? And my mom, she was just so sweet. She's like, Ali, you're on the front lines. Like you're doing brave things. So people like you're just extra sensitive because you're doing brave things all the time. Like, and it doesn't mean that you can't hack it, that you're not tough, um, it just means that you're doing brave things and you should have compassion for yourself and, you know, I'm, it'd be much safer for me to do a nine to five job that I clock in, clock out. And man, sometimes I've been envious of those people who do that just because sometimes your soul needs that. But it, I think, yeah, all that to say is that when you're risk taking, you probably are going to find yourself more. Uh, sensitive and then having to take feedback. Um, but I think it's self-awareness is such, oh, it's so important as a leader because I just see destructive choices made financially and made a part of team culture when there is an awareness. And sometimes like I've had to, I've played many roles in the building of this school and a part of, The part of the reality of it has feeling like, oh, wow, I'm in the wrong seat, like I'm in the wrong position and working out like that's actually not about my identity, about who I am. It's actually I don't um, thrive in that role and I'm not going to give my best to that role because that's actually not what I'm meant to be doing and i could take that as like i'm the worst worker ever but it's actually no i just am not made for that role and um and i think sometimes and i notice like with startup companies it's usually the visionary that is the leader and then they usually get a ceo to come in a bit later and i think that's because like some visionaries are just not meant to be in the management seat Um, They're meant to go be like starters of things. Um, And so it does take a great level of self-awareness to make decisions like that. And it doesn't mean anything about you. It just means that you recognize like my talent is more in being a visionary rather than being a manager. And then the manager can go, oh, it's not my job to be the visionary, but I do have vision for how management can like make this organization thrive. So that as a leader, I think is a huge thing because I think sometimes our ego is making choices about staying in a leadership position because it looks shiny rather than because it's actually going to serve the health of an organization. So I think for even in my journey, I have had to figure out what, um what that balance looks like even as I've been like oh this I'm actually not giving the best to this organization because I'm in the wrong seat I'm in the wrong position um so and it does take humility to find that out <laughs> so if you're listening today and finding you're in a rut in your job it could be I need to make a position change so that's great self-awareness so as a life consultant And when I was training to be a life coach, they taught us this technique of drilling down to the core motivation. So the core motivation of why we do what we do is actually more simple than what people may think. Um, So it's like if I have someone come to me, this is what I mean by drilling down to the core motivation they you have someone come in you have a housemate and they kind of leave the dishes on the sink occasionally and that's a fact it's not like they do it all the time but you as the other housemate have had experiences where you've had really dirty housemates in the past like and they've really been disrespectful or you grew up in a home where no one like respected your space and that was like yeah, you kind of were taken advantage of like, and it's kind of stockpiled over time Um, and it created chaos within your family and it created chaos between living situations and then you move in with someone who's actually really solid but occasionally leaves the dishes out. Let's just say you walk home, you come home and then you see the dishes there and then you explode at your housemate. And if you came and sat in my, in front of me for a consulting session, I'll be like, ask you what happened. And then you'll be like, that person's so disrespectful. And now I've just given you the facts of like, this human is like not as neglectful as this other, this client's past experiences. Um, but they're at like a level 10 because their pain from their past has kind of distorted their lens of how they're seeing their current situation. And so what ownership is and self-awareness is, is I can drill down to what is your core need? Okay. You're saying you don't feel respected by your housemate. Um, if you were respected, what would that give you? And then they probably say, if I felt respected, I would feel okay, or I would feel peace. And so we're always like, and part of the technique is to say, like, what would that get you? If you were respected, what would that give you? And um, kind of like what healthy introspection is, is like, oh, well, why can't I access peace? Oh, because I grew up in a family where there was chaos and no one respected anyone and I was taken advantage for. I was taken advantage. I wasn't valued. So rather than exploding on the new housemate, it's healthy to kind of drill down and figure out, like, what is actually triggering you and what is actually the history that you have with this? And then you can go and paint a better picture of your new housemate and kind of say, they're actually not meaning to do that. I know I have a history of pain in this area and um, I can acknowledge that I haven't felt valued in the past. I'm gonna go on a journey of learning what it means to value myself and learn to meet my own needs. and that's a whole can of worms and i'm not going to go into today because that's quite abstract but really there is this thing of learning how to value ourselves so then i can find peace within myself reconcile some things in the past and i'm there's a deeper way for me to explain all of this but i'm giving you a general overview of what's happening and then you can have a conversation, you can have a voice with your housemate from a more settled place. Or you might go, Oh my gosh, I'm actually noticing this housemate does clean the dishes more than I realized. And sometimes I leave the dishes out. Oh, this is how I can lower the stakes. I'm using this as an example, and I know that I really need to unpack that scenario even deeper. But this is a scenario that I hear over and over again about little pet peeves that just steal people's peace. And then they feel anger towards another person, they feel frustrated, and then they communicate from that frustrated, angry place, rather than a whole connected, um, self-aware place. And so when we get self-aware, we actually learn to find peace. We learn to find clarity about a situation because we can actually understand how does my history affect this current moment right now? Um, because what I have learned is like, cause I've been in work scenarios or relationship scenarios where I'm like super triggered and then someone else is like, I don't even know why that bothers you. Like <laughs> that wouldn't bother me if someone did that. And then I feel frustrated at that person because I'm trying to find people to be on my team to validate my anger. And I used to kind of get stuck in that place. And what, what self-awareness has given me is tools to actually get powerful and not egotistical powerful, but kind of feel empowered to not feel at the mercy of other people. So that's another gift of self-awareness. I created an exercise when I teach on this class um, called Self-Awareness. And it's, I get the students to read through this inner monologue that I created um, about someone who goes to a party. And I think a lot of us can relate to this example. Um, Some of you, like, may have a sense of social security greatly, like, and you might be like, oh, my gosh, that person's, like, really insecure. I don't feel that when I walk into a crowded room and um, that's great, <laughs> you know, that might mean that you have built some really, or you might have um, a level of security in that area because you haven't had as much pain as other people have had in this area. It doesn't mean you're a better person. It just means you have a level of security in that area of your life. So I'm going to read this example um, well, I'm going to read this monologue in a monologue. So you walk into a birthday party where you've known the people for a while, but you, you don't feel very confident entering the room. You're remembering past experiences where these people were, where you felt awkward and you were feeling afraid that this would happen again. You badly want to be their friend. The, per- the first person you greet, you go straight in and tell them your whole life story. You talk about all the amazing things that are happening. Then you start feeling weird and you start to gossip about one of your friends that was really rude to you, hoping for the friend to agree with you. You then, um, you then start talking about how life is hard, never once considering how the person on the other end of the conversation is doing. The conversation ends awkwardly. You are feeling weird. Then um, then you're hard on yourself because you realize that you never ask the other person any questions about how they're doing. And so then you go to the next person and you rapid fire a million questions without truly listening to their answers because you're thinking about trying to come across as genuinely interested, very focused on self. Then the cycle is repeated. After exhausting yourself with people, you get into the car and leave. And as you're driving away, a million thoughts are swirling around your head like, how can I be in a room full of people and feel so alone? Did I say something wrong? Did I say too much? Do they think I'm weird? Then we try and make ourselves feel better and resign to the fact that those people are just up themselves and they're just really clicky and that is them. This is an example and you can feel when I teach this class like a level of, ooh, I do that, ooh. And, um, I think when I was, before I'd done any kind of counseling or anything like that, I would just kind of go into social situations and be like, Ooh, I just felt weird in that moment or I felt weird. Um, and what that weird thing usually is, is shame and shame is the feeling of I'm not good enough. Do you like me? Do I like myself? And it's much easier to blame other people for how they're showing up so that you can feel good about yourself. So we're meaning making machines and we wire, we're wire we wired for stories. So like I've heard that um, when we make up a story, whether it's true or not, like let's just say you have this interaction, you say, well, they're just... Um, you know, they're, they're just a clicky group of people and they need to be more inclusive. That's a story I'm making up based on my pain. And then I might have some sort of chemical reward to my brain because um, our brain chemically rewards us for story, whether they're, it's right or not right. And so we kind of resign. Well, it's their fault. And to me, I'm like, that might feel, make you feel better for maybe 20 minutes, but it's actually not going to heal you. It's not going to make you actually feel empowered in social situations because you've made up rules, you've made up a story about other people being good, bad and you being good um, or you being the victim in the situation So what empowerment looks like is like, wow, I'm observing that I feel really insecure and that's okay. That's not, doesn't mean you're bad. Um, And so you just start getting curious about why you feel insecure in a room. And I think the best way to grow in self-awareness is to grow your curiosity muscle I experience people having final decisions or deciding something is bad and it feels like just such a dead end in their growth. It feels very final and like, oh, I'm just defeated when people make kind of blamey statements about people. But what I've found is how you get back in – well, what I've found – if you want to get back in the driver's seat of your life is to actually exercise curiosity. I wonder why like this comes up for me where I feel really emotionally depleted when I'm around this group of people. Um, What do I need in order to feel safe? What do I need to be, feel secure with myself? And you can go back and listen to my self-compassion podcast, which I think is episode four, but that will really help you Connect with kindness when you start observing your internal world and start diving deeper into your subconscious because there is a way to build security and confidence. And um, I know that my confidence has grown as a person when I'm so aware of my weakness, but very aware of what I'm good at as well but I don't over-identify with both of them. I just stay in a posture of humility about it. So um, yeah, I share that kind of inner monologue because I think that um, there's just so many of us that are having a whole inner dialogue while we're in social situations and it's called social anxiety and it's usually our inner child that comes up that doesn't feel safe. It's like, um, and so what we need to learn to do is learn how to build safety within ourselves. And then because we're not attacking ourselves, telling ourselves, oh, you idiot, you shouldn't have said that. Like if we're out in a monologue is that, then that's not being safe with yourself. And so... Learning the practice of self-compassion will help lower the stakes and help you get curious and then curiosity will always lead to wisdom. You will find some sort of enlightenment and what I notice is is like it always comes back to your self-worth and the good news is if you have really low self-worth, you can actually learn to build that back up. Um, and that's so empowering and so encouraging to hear so that you don't have to live in this place of like low self-worth where you have failed and you'll never be who you want to be, because I think you should be who you want to be, um, and not give that power to other people to define you. Um, so I hope that this podcast will, inspire you or give you hope that you actually don't have to stay where you're at and I want to encourage you to go on a journey of growing that curiosity muscle and we grow curious when we ask questions and we engage with wonder and um, I definitely know the greater self-awareness that you have that's balanced that's not making you spiral into unhealthy introspection the greater self-awareness you have the greater the quicker you move through and get what you want like i know for me i would have i have less high stakes conflict in my life because i'm aware of what's happening internally like um and i have more eloquence and more um connection with other people I have a greater sense of connection with other people because I'm more connected to myself and I've gained connection to myself with awareness of myself awareness of what my needs are awareness of where I didn't get needs met at, from a like a childhood age where I felt where I had bullying or where I had, Painful experience that really chipped away at my self worth. Um, I have, because I can identify those moments in my life, if I have a present day trigger, I can really circle back to that moment and be like, oh, this is what I needed at that time. And yeah, getting counseling definitely is another way that you can grow in self awareness. And then you live less at the mercy of other people and more empowered because i think in the first so in the first two episodes i think i talked about what it means to be unapologetically yourself and i've talked a lot in this podcast about having a relationship with yourself or being yourself which is such an abstract thing and hopefully i've shed some light on that but i think The whole goal of this podcast is to inspire you to be brave to be yourself. Um, And so, yeah, I just want to thank you for listening and I want to cheer you on. So feel free to send me a message, um, write a review, share with your friends. And I look forward to um, coming back for season two and sharing all my stories from my travels and um, having some really exciting guests on the podcast. So thanks again for listening and have an amazing day.